0: We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse through their industry. Pulse through their industry. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. You have to be consistent. You got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing. The, world. the League presents Electric People. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Electric People. We are really excited today. We've got the one and only Zach Allred, uh, director of Grit. Um, Zach's got a little over 350 career installs with the company and uh, one of the most fun guys you'll ever hang out with so uh, excited to hear some great stories some life lessons uh, some sales tips
1: it's gonna be a good one today Ty I used to be a fun guy and now I'm not anymore (laughs) But like you still are You've, you've held on to it. I've held on to it. I like yeah. that. I, I, like
2: to, I like to have a good time. How do you, I do too. I how just do you be on the, on the fun status? guy
1: and be a leader at the same
2: time? Um, I don't know, I feel like you know, people know me as the fun guy. That's just who I am. Uh, And it's actually helped me in my career just with the recruiting and everything that we do um, I'm pretty genuine like people know if I like you or don't like you and I like most everybody You just recruit the ones you like. Yeah,
0: I like that. Yeah, nobody can say Zach's fake Yeah, you know, I mean what you see is what you get
1: (laughs) what you see is what you get. And He's got no shame You know what I see in my head is We're in Fiji We accompanied through this all white party where everyone had to show up in all white. You you showed up, white pants, maybe even these exact white shoes. Maybe. And you threw down at the dance party, full backflip and everything, you're committed. Well, so we've got a story to this because that was Zach and
0: I's, well, that was Zach's second attempt at the backflip. First (laughs) attempt, I was the holder.
1: I thought Zach tried this to was at a, This
0: was at a different event in Philly. We did a big leadership conference, and we did the same kind of dance thing. And Zach comes over to me, and he's like, hey, w- you know, I'm going to run over to you. I need you to put your hands on your knee, and I'm going to put my foot on there and just do a backflip off your knee, to, like bring the house down, right? So he runs over pretty Jump. simple job for you. <laughs> I mean pretty... literally
1: you just clasp your fingers so
0: it appears that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he goes and he just blows out my hand and I'm like, "Whoa." <laughs> and um I'm it's hard to do this justice because most people are just listening long story short I end up on my back (laughs) Zach only makes it into an upside down like like. I'm trying
2: not to get paralyzed like that (laughs) was my my
1: backflip fail videos are my favorite thing and that was
2: the second so actually I think Brock Morrison when we were young uh some dance party um he also dropped me did. Uh, and you're still I'm pretty sure there. it's. if it wasn't Brock I apologize but I'm pretty sure it was Brock wow. and so when I nailed the one in Fiji just it's know it comes with a lot of there's stress an anxiety. <laughs> yeah there's nothing worse than getting dropped on your head in front of all your peers
1: like it's a bad moment so, so if you've had a rough day on doors at least you've never been dropped on your head in right. of all the people that are supposed to respect you right yeah. and
2: it's like a moment you're trying to be cool and you it's like a
1: I'm a stranger
0: like he's he selected me hand selected me for my strength for his trust in me and then I my hands fell apart I end up on the ground
2: somehow they're like one later it you weren't absolutely no, certain you could years do it? later nobody knows that Adam dropped me right they just know that Zach fell on his head yeah, like the holder has yeah. no risk in this game
1: <laughs> so <laughs> cool right. True. you've just been stumbling uh, through life ever so time. I got a few
2: trustworthy Cam has never dropped me yet, so he's my go-to now. He's the one that got me in in Fiji.
1: Yep. Know who your friends are, you know? Tough life lessons. (laughs) There's a tough life lesson there. So are you... you're, You're in New Jersey now. You moved to Jersey... Six years ago. Yeah, close to six years ago. So you're like from Jersey now. I, Jersey is kind of home.
2: Right. Uh, I never imagined in a million years that I would, you know, be in Jersey, live in Jersey. You know, work so close to New York City and Philadelphia. Um, definitely. Uh, 180 from my uh, you know upbringing and just kind of like my whole life it is one extreme to the other But
1: we went it was funny like the last time I was in New York We hung out and Mm -hmm. we went to this like he like knows the places, you know No, Zach's a New York City tour guide. Yeah, so we went to this exclusive Brunch place that has like ice cream waffles that like doubles as a nightclub some days we got right
0: in Mm -hmm. That place was unreal. We did No, Zach has connections all over New York like if you need a in at a restaurant, you need to get in a nightclub, like anything, Zach's got a guy. And he will get, <laughs> yeah,
2: get you in. You, got you can't ever move. Yeah, I know. I've, I've, uh, I've traveled and been like back home to Utah or Arizona or wherever, and it's like, you know, it's not Does my place. Does it feel like home place. out there, do you know? Yeah, it definitely feels like home. Whenever I travel, go out, it is home. I think that's one of the things, you know, people that do this, this job or they travel for work, they, they hang on to home. A lot like it's not like home and uh, I think one of the favorite things is I just take wherever I'm at and like love it for what it is right and if you love wherever you live for what it is you can kind of live anywhere you know I've lived in Houston and St. Louis and Baltimore and Minneapolis and Jersey and you know you can make home if it's you love it for what it is. It's not like anywhere else. I
1: actually think that's pretty, it's weird that that's abnormal sometimes like amongst our circle of friends, but that's normal for the rest of like the ambitious working world, right? Like most of the the friends that I have that don't do this job, yeah, they've lived multiple different places. Mm -hmm. They've gotten a promotion or an opportunity for which they relocated. And I don't know, that's one of the things I love about this company is I probably share that we're in California now. This is my home. This is where we plan to stay for the foreseeable future. And it's one of those things that adds a whole different chapter to your life if you if you let it. Yeah,
2: yeah. And I think that's the opportunity of the the job, right?
1: You don't know the next
2: five years or 10 years kind of what's next. But um, yeah, that's what I love about the job is because I don't know. What's next for the next five, ten years? I could be somewhere else, experience something new um I can't tell you the amount of friends and people that have you know, moved and had experiences and done things because of this. Um, you know, and now New Jersey's their home. And so it makes, uh, uh, makes it fun.
1: I think, we'll, I think we're looking at that again in the next handful of years. You know, you got grid parity and, and just the massive, solar now has reached the tipping point where it, it is the future, it will not be ignored. And I think, again, when I first came into the industry, it was what state do you want to go to? Now, we've kind of had our, what, 16 to 20 states for a while? Yeah. But I'll bet in the next couple years we'll start seeing migrations. Yeah, I think those barriers are going down. Stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, So we've heard about Big City, Zach let's take it back we want to (laughs) hear
1: big 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 cities let's take it back we we want to hear um
0: i mean we had a lot of people don't know that chance is your older brother right um we're we
1: look identical (laughs) and i've learned though that's funny that chance is the one that doesn't fit in i at first i knew Chance and then met zach and i was like oh you guys look different but after meeting you and tori and seeing the family Mm You guys are the normal ones. Yeah, we all look the same. <laughs> chances yeah. chances out there, I don't, know where, I don't know what happened there.
0: So you grew up in Monticello, Utah. Yep. Uh, one street light, no street What's lights. the population of Monticello?
2: Uh, I think it's around like 1,300 or something. Um, we did get a street light when I was in like high school, so there's no street light. Nah, we, had a flashing, place has changed. we had a flashing yeah. red light stop sign. Big, <laughs> it was in the newspaper, I'm not kidding. We got the light. It's a big deal. Is it is it a, a controversy? controversy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's a little camera. bit of a controversy. You got the locals blowing the stoplight because they, you know, they just aren't used a, to it. A, They've been, a, been driving down that road for 50 years with no stoplight. They're going to
0: show their defiance just yeah. by <laughs> driving through a red light. Yeah. yeah. So
2: I think there's been a lot of, you know, kind of country uh Guys that kind of come through the industry, um, and specifically where I'm live now in New Jersey, there's more people in an apartment
1: complex than my entire county right your county though built this industry you said a lot of guys that have come from southern Utah no the foundation of the direct sales industry as we know it is that it's a lot. small tiny population of it is farmers and miners that just birthed an industry that's you know right I mean?
2: that's right yeah i i think it's uh you know we grew up in a different uh working and just kind of work ethic and and taking opportunities and maybe even knowing when an opportunity is there i don't know what it is um but it is true there's a lot of and we're really connected you know you're small town boys we stick together mm-hmm. well i want to hear
0: um so zach and i went out to a denver broncos patriots game a few years ago and i had my older brother meet us out there and Zach got telling my older brother all the Monticello stories. And they're the the Monticello stories are my favorite stories Zach has. But and I want to hear a few of them, but um, but they do tie into kind of what you've become, right? And it's this these principles that you learned at a young age. And the stories are funny, not because they're funny, they're actually like funny stories. It's funny because of the context that I grew up in and yeah, yeah that you grew up in then then when you hear the way Zach grew up, you're like, wait, what? You raised a <laughs> you had to raise a steer named Midnight? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> On his own,
1: age seven. So like this is <laughs> so, I should know this. My, my my grandpa's a dairy farmer, but what makes it like a steer? Is that like a dude cow? Is that like <laughs> is that <laughs> yeah, is that, is that a steer? Entire, entire. <laughs> Do you a, know the difference between a male and a female? I'm, I'm assuming the male is a steer. I don't think Am you right? even know Am what a steer is. Okay. What's well, a steer? Because then what makes it a What's bull? What's the difference between a steer and a bull? The bull has horns. Oh, the bull has balls. Correct. Oh. <laughs> there you go. So the so, steer would be female. No, no. So help me out here. The it's like a male. But has no balls? Yeah. Right. It's for. I like, don't want to get be any, no, exactly. That
2: work. We gotta cut this.
0: Yeah, no, work. we're good. <laughs> so you can help shed some light yeah, on. Yeah. So
2: what? growing up in a small town, um, you know, it's really small, and there's not a lot of money or industry, or you know, there's there's kind of farmers and ranchers and like a few small local businesses, but there's not like. Work to be had. What your parents do? People don't have extra money. So my uh, dad worked for the city of Monticello. He was the recreation director, Um, and my mom uh, owned a beauty salon. So she was in all the town gossip. Oh, she knew it all. nothing got past Connie. <laughs> Trust me. If you ask anyone, that like got that, you in a lot it of was trouble, a funnel right? yes. for every everything that happened. Uh, Connie it knows. It wasn't
0: like the internet, but there was like a three-week lag on everything. <laughs> no, it was
2: pretty instant. You wouldn't <laughs> believe. Like so and so told so and I'm like, how many haircuts can yeah. these people have? You're only two haircuts <laughs> so, a week from yeah. a life of restriction. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so, um, with that though, you know, um, they worked really hard and raised five kids in the small town but we had to find work um and I want to say like real value work. A lot of kids work when they're you know working for the family business or their uncle or they got has, chores they yeah, do yeah their whatever. chores at their home. Like it was like our parents weren't paying us any money and I'm the youngest by a long shot so even the four older than me you had to get creative and find a way to like be an entrepreneur and like make. So they make expected
1: them. you to like buy your school clothes and stuff or what? Yeah,
2: um, buy school Cars clothes. And like that. Yeah, you had to either buy your own car or help out a majority with your. From car. what age? Like, what, so what age are you are your buying cell your own school clothes? Um, I mean earlier i was i was lucky i was the youngest so i get a i get Once a lot of I get a, I get a lot of grief from the siblings because they're like you don't know what it was like in these streets you yeah. know but, uh, in this still, street yeah street. exactly um but yeah junior high on or whatever yeah. um you were you, you know you had to find a way so you hear chance he talks about his his business uh uh selling clothing that was because you know he was really trying to start a business and earn money it, it was half he was an entrepreneur but half because we had to figure out a way they did a milk run um it's a for milk me run. uh so there's like a uh when people like a paper route yeah like a paper route I but they had like their a milk. color
1: run but like people run by and no. like douse them with no milk. you had to like deliver milk to people's like <laughs> a, a dairy run or context. whatever what <laughs> color listen run, you're color
2: way
0: runs, out there you're thinking run. that people are just Throwing milk at you. We're just having like the good you're a good old time. We're trying, out of survive, the aisle, just We're trying to survive, Ty. We're trying to survive. You know, there's people dressing cows, throwing just milk so, at you. get
1: weird in your small towns, man. No, no. we got
2: to. <laughs> so, I, uh, you know, it was a lot of my friends and just people. There's a big county fair, and a lot of the kids would uh, raise livestock, and you raise it all year, and then you show it at the county fair. They rank it, and then how it's ranked, you know, you sell it at auction. And so, a lot of people had pets. No. I was raising livestock to sell at the end of the year wow. to, for school clothes, so uh, he knows Midnight, but I actually had a lot of, you know, uh, I had my lamb, Thumper, I had uh, <laughs> my pig one year, George, had Midnight, <laughs> I know these things, so uh, I kinda, you know, rose up in the ranks of the, the livestock game, and- a uh lamb uh,
1: named Thumper.
2: Yeah, so you raise yeah. it, um, but it's really sale, you, I had to deliver handwritten letters to all the businesses around the town, because they have to bid on it, it. and then if they don't bid on your animal or like someone doesn't buy it then you don't like get the money you are stuck it. with an animal yeah you're feeding it walking it like doing all this stuff all year just so then i would sell it and i'd use that money for school clothes or whatever uh the the upcoming year so you just walk in midnight down the street. Yeah. yeah, he was walking Midnight. Tonight. Yeah, you had to get him in shape for the show. <laughs> you gotta get him muscly. Why so, do you want
0: Midnight, to, what, what purpose does walking him have? Like what it does he gets, need to so walk? So
2: it's like, they're like show, you know, so they grade them on how their muscle mass is, how lean they are. Um, and the higher you rank, the the, the, the higher the value, starting yeah. value is of the auction. So you know, no big deal. It's a reserve grand champion. Uh, <laughs> my, I got
1: a belt buckle. If you want to see it, I do. Hey, at the next conference, we're gonna do a milk run, and you guys are gonna see no, it. it's gonna be, it's it's gonna gonna be a shoot. hoot. That sounds terrible. We're doing the middle of the summer, the hot summer milk run. It's gonna be great. Um, I also happen to know that you're one of the youngest documented door-to-door sellers. You started selling at 17? Yeah. I don't even know how that's possible first of all Mm -hmm. but how did you get that opportunity well
2: I guess you come up raising uh livestock (laughs) um I had an older brother who kind of you know obviously was a pioneer in door to door and he was very successful and so during that time I was in like middle school to high school Mm -hmm. uh age and so I grew up kind of idolizing these sales teams I would actually go out in the summer I visited him in in Indianapolis Denver the chance was taking you around right so in the summer to yeah to see him and I I was like... Twelve, right? And and I'd see his sales team, and they're clapping, having a good time. And when you're that age, like it's like the NBA. I was like, "This is awesome! Like, I want to be a part of this." That's really cool. And so I actually remember taking, like, you know, in in school you take tests and it like guides you on kind of like what profession you should be. Mm -hmm. I remember like answering the questions, like, "What would a door-to-door salesman (laughs) be like?" So I could show him, like, see, like I'm a salesman, (laughs) man. Like
1: the test says it. Um, So I, I. I grew up doing that. I wish I could see the results I'm like, well, I really wanted to say this, but I thought a door-to-door yeah. salesman like, might say what would say a door-to-door this? salesman say? Cause I gotta show a chance, like I'm the real deal here. <laughs>
2: um, so I'd go visit him and he would take me on the doors when I was, you know, in junior high. And I would see how to transition into a home and just like talk to him about stuff. And I think it started clicking pretty early on, like, this is cool. And it matched up with the family values, like, There's no, you know, even my mom who ran a a salon, like there's no base salary. You have to go out and earn your money. Like my mom would actually work till like one or two in the morning a couple nights because she's like, everyone that uh, needs their haircut has jobs. So I'm going to actually cut hair for those people or do their hair until two in the morning because that's when I can get business. Hey, I've
1: always wished that's awesome that your mom did that because I always ask, like, when do people go to the dentist? Like, the dentist is open the same time I'm working. Right. Or, like, when do you get your hair cut? You know what I mean? That's awesome that your yeah. mom was a hustler. So
2: she was, yeah, she would hustle. And so Tuesdays, she was out in the salon till you know, one or two in the morning. And we just kind of grew up with that. Like, oh, you go out and, like, get, you know, business when business happens. Mm-hmm. And, and so... Um, I saw. I think I latched onto sales pretty early, and I knew immediately, like, I want to do this. So I graduated high school, like, had the graduation celebration, and the next day I was on a flight to Minneapolis to sell door to door. What year is this? 2006.
1: 2006. So this Six. one, I met. That Zach. That was one year before I was in Minneapolis.
0: So I met Zach in 2007, I think. Actually, I don't know if we met, but I saw Zach at a company like year-end party. And I just remember this little kid because, you know, how Chance always has dance parties, right? Yeah. Like that's part of like Chance's thing. Like, I think part of it, honestly, is he just loves seeing people just be funny. Yeah. And it's just so much fun. Right. But it helps when you have a little brother who can bring the house down at any point in time. So I'm like at this platinum like party or whatever it was my first experience with platinum. And all of a sudden, um, Superman, uh, who sings it? Soldier Boy. Uh, Soldier Boy. (laughs) Yeah. Soldier Boy comes on, and all of a sudden, the crowd, like, parts, and Zach goes into full, like, Soldier Boy (laughs) dance mode.
1: I'm like, who's this kid? They're like, oh, it's Chance's little brother. And I'm like, oh. So never mind that you can't actually legally sign an agreement to work at 17. You got that done. So I don't know
2: how that happened. Yeah. So I go to Minneapolis, and mind you, I'm 17, but at the time, I look 14. (laughs) Like, I am, you know, maybe a 100 and... Forty pounds soaking yeah. wet. I couldn't grow a mustache if I tried. Hey, if um, they could see you now though. Yeah, right? exactly. I got them bald and a beard, so you know now I look forty-five. <laughs> and I missed the whole middle. He sacrificed
1: <laughs> it. <laughs> um, you but on I go the streets.
2: out. Yeah, and uh, and I remember again that kind of principle of like. I went in there at 17, everyone is older than me. Every, you know, married people. Uh, My original office had Neil Rogers as a cell rep. Uh, Ty Mickelson was a sales rep. Um, you know, a bunch of people no you know. Way. Yeah, that was my, that was my, you know, people that I was going into the office yeah. with. I, and I remember like wanting to contribute and being like, I gotta be a part of this team. And I didn't know what was normal. And so my first day I did three same days and I like came back like, oh man, like I only got three same days. <laughs> and they're like, no, that's good. And like, I can't imagine they're like, how did he do that? Like yeah. what was going on? Um, and so they, they have tons of funny stories when i started you know i was 17. i
1: think there's something to be said for not just being the youngest person in the room that that's awesome and i think that's probably a theme throughout your career just because you started so young but the thing that stands out is wanting to contribute right the uh, uh, part of the message i usually have a quarterly message that i share with teams and part of my message is from cal newport who wrote this book so good they can't ignore you and he talks about that that a lot of people try to look for a job that will make them happy instead of go to the job with like a tradesman mentality where you say hey what can I contribute what what can I do for this neighborhood what can I do for these people how can I make this office better because I was here the crazy thing about the names that you mentioned is Ty Mickelson just did a a west coast training for all of us today Uh, Neil Rogers has created his own world of direct sales out in Florida look at what you're doing that desire to contribute over the look at what it's created right
2: and um yeah it's like success breeds success i think there's a lot of people early on in those you know top offices and different things but um yeah i think that's that's a principle of mine that you know probably instilled early on just with sports or just whatever and i just wanted to contribute i want Hey, when Zach's on the team, like we want him here, um, whether that was as a salesperson, um, a manager, a director, it's like no one that's you know I'm over or or, or um, under like my leadership. Um, they never have to worry about me. Like Zach is here, Zach is solid, and Zach's going to contribute. And if we don't have him, like then there you know I got to like fix my what I'm doing. Like I want to be a contributor. Um, in any way to the team overall. I
0: think you're one of the more underrated salesmen uh, in the company, like I think Zach is a really, really good salesman, and I think it probably starts from those early, early summers, when you were 17, 18 years old. You told me a story once that you were feeling like people wouldn't buy from you because you were so young, and then chance, and you kinda came up with a game plan, right? Right. But I want you to share that story, but then, um, kind of tie that into, cause we have a lot of young guys that work for us now. And then we have a lot of old guys that work for us. And we have, you know, I mean, so that principle kind of ties into, um, I think kind of the wide mix of people that we have and, and helping them kind of carve
2: out the, their angle that they have. Right. Right. So when I started again, I was 17. Um, I looked 14, um, and the, the pitch at the time you remember is I'm the, uh, you know, advertising manager out here, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) And so I'd go out and like, Hey there, I'm the advertising man. And they're like, no, you're not. (laughs) You're like, no, no, you're selling boy, like Girl Scout cookies. Like what's going on here? (laughs) So I, you know, I went to chance and I was like, I'm too young for that pitch. Like it just doesn't match. Me mm. and so he's like, dude, you got to use your age like to your advantage. Like that's an advantage, not a disadvantage. So here's what you're gonna say: you can go out there and say you're, uh, you know, you're the intern. Uh, you're doing an internship this summer, and you're you you got to do these alarms, and uh, you know they'll get free equipment and everything, uh, uh, but you have to give away these alarms. Um, and they they'll they'll pay the monitoring, but you can't get a job as a real salesman until you do a hundred
1: <laughs> free ones.
2: <laughs> and so that was my pitch. Hey, I'm the intern. Like basically, what's going on? But like is, we
1: gotta help this kid. Yeah, hundred. we gotta.
2: I gotta do a hundred of them. And they figure if I can't give them away and you just pay the monitoring, then I'm not going to be a very good salesman. <laughs> so they thought they were like taking advantage of this like 17 year old. We you need know. to go to the neighborhoods this afternoon <laughs> and try this. I and uh, and it would. matched my, you know, look, Mm -hmm. and they could believe it. Like, I couldn't pull off on this advertising manager, but it was totally believable that I was, you know, young intern, um, giving away this, you know, promotion, and, you know, they just had me kinda out there as the grunt worker, and I think, that applies so much, um, you know, in every industry and even in solar. Um, I talk about credibility a lot and looking the part and matching your story. And it's like, if you don't feel good about what your story is and who you are, and it's not believable and credible, people know it and they can sense it. And uh, um, so I think I learned that pretty early on. Well,
0: and that's not to say you, you make up some pretend narrative, right? It's just you're, you, can, you can create a narrative that is valid, that is true, that also fits the offer that we have. Right, right. So I
2: wanted to be a salesman when I was small, right? So <laughs> I was like, whatever I gotta do to be a salesman, if I can give 100 of these things away, I'll <laughs> do it. You
0: tried to fake a personality test, man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: but was, I didn't, you didn't to want, be a salesman since he, he was that. seven. The thing that makes me so happy is the, the other day my nine-year-old came to me and he said, hey, he's been trying to get a job at Vivint Solar, yeah. and he's learning Google Slides at school, mm-hmm. and so he's made me these like slides on why I should be hired. And uh, one of the things he came to me the other day, and he said, hey, I can't remember what he wanted. He wanted something, he's like, hey, can I go sell some solar so that I can get this thing? And I was, like you, I was, I was actually like super proud of him, not because he wants to be a door-to-door salesman, he doesn't know any better, but it's because he understood that if you want something, you got to go get it. He didn't ask me, hey, can I have a thousand bucks? He said, hey, can you teach me how to sell these things so I can go do this so I can earn? And I, I think that's one of the greatest things about this job is you can make, like literally create opportunity. You can create income in like the most pure form. And I think you're a really awesome example of that. Right. Uh, yeah, I love, that's what I love about it. And yeah you know,
2: going out and creating real value for other people that get your product, real value for you and uh, income, real value for other people, right? Uh, recruits that you have. And I think that's, you know, I learned early on just with the the type of people I was with in early in my career, the Neil Rogers, the Ties, you know, Adam Cox was in, uh, um, Aaron Katz, um, Jordan Laplace, like these guys were all in my early alarm offices. Um, I learned about like recruiting. I, I, I think people look at recruiting for this job wrong and they just kind of like recruit everyone. I look at like who do I think is the best person for this? And I don't care if they have a job, I don't care if they're in school, whatever it is, I want to talk to the best person. Um, and, you know, because I really believe in our, our opportunity and what we're doing. And so, you know, recruiting uh, you know, guys like that actually makes the, the job really fun for me.
1: Have you seen The Outsiders? No. It's like, uh, it's this early movie. <laughs> I just movie. say no. No, well, it's fine. You should check it out. It's this early movie. With, it's about the greasers and the socias. There's some book about it. I don't remember what the book's called. Yeah, Swayze. It's yeah. a Swayze movie. But you're like a young Tom Cruise because everybody is in that movie. Literally, Patrick Swayze's in that movie. Uh, Matt Dillon's in that movie. Tom Cruise is in that movie. Ralph Macchio, like all of these people. That's like your office that you came yeah, up in. It's exactly. like to see what these people went out and did. Um, well, you and I don't work together too often, but one of the things I happen to know about you and what is said, about you is, Uh yeah, (laughs) is that you, and it's interesting for me to hear your take on it, is that you care genuinely and authentically about your people, but probably two or three levels deeper. I, I called Chance today and just said, hey, what are a couple things that you think Zach is known for? That was one of the things that he said, but that's one of the things that I think is part of your brand is that you care deeply and genuinely about your people. So, maybe talk about where that developed from? Is that something that's born of wanting to contribute? Is that just something that's within your personality? Yeah, is there a principle behind it? Um, uh, that's a good question. I don't know.
2: Um, I feel like it's is just like a part of me. Um, you know, on my rank of like what's the most valuable to me, I would say my relationships and my friendships and like that is number one, and you know um, making sure that I think that's the principles behind how I lead and everything like is it fair does it line up Um, is it the right thing to do and uh, those relationships are number one Um, and I want to be able to look every person that's on my team um, that manages with me or manages for me or that is above me like look them in the eye and know like I did everything in the that I could um, to like put you in a good situation.
1: I think that's the only way you have long-term like career, actual longevity, right? right? If you look at it as okay, this is a summer gig or hey, I just am trying to get through this quarter or this year, eventually you can't have longevity in your career. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've been doing this, what? This is 14 years for you now? Yeah. So you don't have a 14 year career, uh, positive reputation without
0: doing that. Well, and to take that a step further, when you think about New Jersey, when we first started Vivint Solar, Jersey was the first market we started in, but it went through some roller coaster rides as a market. Um, you had some of our top guys relocate to other markets. Um, you know, when Jeremy was the VP and then relocated out to Utah, um, then Nick Hansen uh, was the director, and a VP relocates. Uh, you know, works with uh, smart home to help integrate their dealer program yeah. with us, all those types of things. And the one constant through all of that was always Zach. And it's like, he's really been the glue that's helped, you know, Jersey's one of, if not our most important markets on the East coast, especially. And Zach's been the glue that's really held it together. Right. So um, I wanted to kind of just hear your thoughts on Just what was going through your mind during all those transitions Um, and then, you know, why didn't you ever, you know, kind of get a wandering eye or maybe consider a different route or a different market or, you know, when you're seeing some of your best friends make decisions to leave or do some, you know, other
2: stuff. Yeah. Um, so originally when I came to solar, I was honestly looking to go to Arizona. Arizona was supposed to be an open market for us, uh, back in 20, you know, into 2013, started 2014 and my family, uh, all hey, lives sister's there. Out there. my mom and dad live there now and oh, my good. other brother. So it's like uh, most of my family lives there. It, you know, made sense. I was like, that would be nice. Um, uh, it didn't work out. And you know, I kind of got the guidance from, at the time, Chance and j were, you know, uh, running things. And, they're like, yeah, you know, I think you should really take a look at this uh, East Coast thing. Not a lot of people are going out there. Uh, you know, it's far from our corporate home. It's unknown. Like, they don't want to move their families out there. And, again, that's kind of one of my principles. If it's kind of scary and not a lot of people want to do it, I'm like, I think that's for me. Right, like there's an that's opportunity where the growth here. Happens for right. sure. Everyone else zigs, you zag. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, if that's something that not a lot of people want to do, and the top people are telling me it's a good place to be, there's value in that. And I think that's a principle a lot of people don't like. They don't want to listen to their leaders. Like this is what I need you to do, and they're like, but that's kind of inconvenient for me or my family or that's this. A great point. And you're like, well, I just told you the secret, right? To success this is what we need and I was hearing like we need leadership out there so I'm like all right if that's what they need
1: that's how I'm gonna create some value Uh, I know you got more to say on that that's such an important point that's such an important point especially now where we're established in a lot of places and people for the most part have a choice of somewhat comfortable options but your principle here is listen to where where you're gonna add the most value and go there despite the, the immediate discomfort. Well, and it's also,
0: if you're willing to do something that others aren't, but it's something that's needed, right? So there's a need there. A lot of people aren't willing to do it and you're the guy who is willing to do it. Like that's a, that's a value add
2: that is really hard to duplicate. Yep. And so that's something that I felt like I can do. And I don't know why I feel like it's an easier thing to do. I'm like, I'll take, the, I'll take the risk or I'll do it. Like they're saying this is gonna add value to the the company or them, or this is where you could build a, a, a big team. So I'm like, I don't care if it's 500 miles away or 2000 miles away, like I'll do it, right? And, you know, um, moved out there. And again, it wasn't, you know, we had a lot of transition and different people and that principle of, this is where they need me. Like I knew, like if I'm getting a wandering eye or I'm looking at other things when they need me most, like that's not gonna be. That's not my brand, right? That's not who I am. So um, that's when I was like, I'm definitely, like it was actually reversed. Like I didn't get a wandering eye at all. I like doubled down on like this is where I'm at. Um, You know and they can count on me so later on as opportunities came and you know different things uh, You know whether it's being an RDM or a director uh, Again, like no question. We can count on Zach. He's gonna do the right thing He's gonna lead it the right way and you know, we don't have to he's gonna deliver.
1: It's such a cool thing I think um If you look at most of the the careers that you would look at and and look at with some with some respect and and affirmation there are people that have made that decision right like that just kind of separates the common from the the excellent right to say i mean yours was the same way moving out to boston mine was the same way moving out to california it's not like we went to inherit these places you went to pretty barren places pretty much everybody and they built something where there was nothing. Mm -hmm. The cool thing is you can't look at New Jersey and separate Zach Allred from it, which is awesome for your brand, right? It's, we didn't used to have something, we now have a lot and throughout all of it, you were there, it was the same with New England and you know what I mean? Like we hope to do the same thing here in, in California. But I think that's a great piece of advice to people that are looking now to make their mark. And it doesn't have to be a move across the country. Right. It could be, hey, we need help getting these new reps successful. I'll do that. Yep. Right. It could be, hey, we need help recruiting. I'm not much of a recruiter, but I it seems like that's what we need. So I'm going to learn it and do it. That's it. And I think leaders do that so
2: often. You hear it from the top down, like and I think Paul talked about that, like find the problem and just solve it. But it will be a step further and leaders will say like, this is what the office really needs or this is what our region really needs. And you get pushback like, well, I don't think we can do that because, or that's not convenient because, and you're like, we just told you how you're gonna gain more influence or we just told you how you're gonna like be a value add. And so
1: (laughs) yeah, one of my favorite books, I read it last year. It's called the war of art. If you've ever read that or heard of it before, but it it calls that thing resistance that anytime you set out to do the thing that you feel like you said, okay, that sounds harder. I should probably do it immediately. You're going to get resistance. Same thing with the gym, right? You start to lift and there's resistance. And so, uh, the 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 challenge is finding it and fighting through it but you have to expect it like people that are just starting this job like if you're listening and you're in the combine you get really excited thinking wow i'm going to do this job it's going to provide all these things expect the resistance right the resistance is almost indicative that you're probably in the right spot but once you get through it well now you have a skill set that other people don't have now you can solve bigger problems that other people haven't solved and then the value returns to you That's I think that's great, that's awesome. I wanna hear a little bit about
0: when you guys first started, one of your best buds, Cam Catmull, who we've had on the show. um, You guys, so the reason I'm asking this question is, we have a lot of people that start with us now. And when we first started, we were a lot of times the first people to knock through an area. You know, it would be, I would be the first person to talk to this person about solar, which had its own set of challenges. Seven years later, Almost every rep we hire is going into an area that's already been knocked multiple times. There's solar all over the place. But when Zach started and his best buddy Cam, you guys shared a small city, right? And they just knocked around each other constantly. So they were, um, you know, I hear reps all the time. You're like, well, I'm out of area. I, I, I need more area or this, that, whatever. You had two of the, high, the most prolific salesmen in New Jersey in one little small town, what was that like, and what were the benefits of selling that way? Because I, I really want a lot of our new reps. I hear this all the time from our new reps, like, "Oh, I got to share an area with a guy, or this, that, whatever." And I'm like, two of the
1: most successful guys we've ever had shared a little small town together for like. And that's how Jersey is too, right? Like, it's like. You cross the street and be in a, you have parishes there or townships or yep. whatever where it's townships, like literally across yeah. the street and you're like, I didn't know I was in a different township. Yeah, you know? there's, a, there's a couple
2: neighborhoods and we kind of just lucked into these neighborhoods because it was, it was close to our warehouse when we started. And uh, so, you know, it was by chance that we had this little town um, because it was easy to uh, train reps and take them out to the turf and we could be back and forth really quick. Um, But what we've found is, and I've noticed, I think Cam realized too, is when you start a new area and no one has solar, even if it's logical, like we get it, we don't pay anything and we save money, like why does no one have it? (laughs) You don't have the social proof. Right. You need the social proof. That's the biggest arrow in your, you know, um, quiver. And so we were like, to start, we're like, let's just like play off each other's stuff, right? If you get a deal, it's just, they don't know, like you got the deal and I didn't get the deal and vice versa. And then when you start, it's this snowball effect like you couldn't believe when you get 10 installs, 20 installs, 50 installs. And at the time, Cam's now over 500 something. I had 350 or so. And we're talking like smaller than a zip code area. And so there's no one coming in the area. And I would literally go to closes and they'd be like, well, this other solar company. And I'd be like, and I'd pull up the town in Mercury, just type in the town name. And I'd say, well, Back, 300. We have the is- <laughs> yeah, I'd say, well, 350 other people went with us and no one's gone with them. So I don't know. And that was my clothes. And they'd be like, you're right. Like nobody wants social to
1: proof, man. do nobody, that. Nobody wants to do that. And you know it, when your closing like, remark is, well, I don't know. Then they're like, yeah, you're right. Huh? Am I? What yeah, sign? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know?
2: And I just felt, it felt nice to, obviously Cam and I were competitive and selling back and forth, um, but also the, the social proof of having trucks and installs. And that is more valuable than fresh turf. Um, and we just mowed over this area over and over again. As soon as we got an install, it's a fresh street. New install, fresh street. So we became the solar guys, cams even more so. When you show up, you're like, hey, I remember talking to you last year or you know, the time before that. They're, you're not fly by night anymore. They're like, this is the solar guy. He set up 50 of my neighbors that I can see from my porch and
1: he's been here two years in a row knocking on my door. Like, what's the deal? But that's such a different way. Like, even your take on it is very creative. Like, from being too young to have the other pitch work to being in a neighborhood where it's funny because a lot of, you're right, a lot of people will say like, oh, well, when you were selling, it was easy. Well, when nobody has solar, it's not just, oh yeah, nobody's heard of it before, so they're all just gonna buy Like, it does have its own challenges. But the fact that, you creatively solve these problems, you take these seeming disadvantages and and turn them into advantages is, I think that's part of what's made you successful. Um, I did have one question, mainly just a true or false question. Yes. (laughs) True or false, you were turned in by your father for shooting a doe. Yeah, yep. That's uh, did Eddie already in fact turn in his
2: own son for a misfire? I did. So small town hunting, I uh, you know muzzle loader. a the mis. There was it. a misfire. <laughs> Unfortunately, the buck was still standing. The dough went down. And uh, yeah, my dad, you know, he turned her, turned me into the game warden. <laughs> and an honest mistake. Who was probably his friend too, right? Yeah, I, oh, well, you know everyone in a small town. yeah hey, I
1: happen to know that you get in big trouble for killing the wrong animal. That's a big deal, right? Yeah, I didn't get in huge trouble. I but did. I'm saying, I like lost my license
2: or... that year, and they understood it was a mistake, but uh, you know. It wasn't, it wasn't smiled upon, I guess you would say. No hard feelings there, Dad, right? Yeah.
0: True or false, the biggest highlight for the Allred family growing up was driving two hours to Grand Junction, Colorado.
2: Ooh, well, you, that was the closest mall and you got to go school shopping there. Um, so school shopping. By, Wal-
0: By mall, you mean Walmart?
2: Uh, Walmart was in Cortez. Grand Junction actually had some stores. It was probably actually like a strip mall, but we thought it was crazy. And a nice dining, you got to go to Chuckarama. Chuckarama is a buffet. You <laughs> get guys get dressed up, right? Yeah, you're like, we're going to Rama and the mall. We're to
1: going town. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh,
2: I actually won a competition in fifth grade for like storytelling or whatever. And the grand prize was we got to go to Cortez which had a Walmart and Chuck That was the prize. <laughs> the four winners get to go to Walmart. Bring your own money. You don't get a spending allowance. <laughs> yeah. You just, you get, just a, get a ride. You just get to go there. I'm like, I'm gonna buy some baseball cards. Dude, I don't something. think
1: I could <laughs> convince my daughter to go to Walmart and Chuck today. And, uh, <laughs> it's and a soft, I'm like, oh, Chuck Like I can get Baze. anything
2: I want. They're like anything. I'm like, I can get. You know, brisket and an ice cream. They're like, that's right. <laughs> and Chinese food and a hot dog yeah. right
1: next to each other.
2: Yeah, there's a... Uh, I actually wanted to put a, snid, uh, a tidbit on uh, the story. Cam was on Electric People, and he talked about getting recruited. I recruited him. Mm-hmm. He didn't tell the funniest part of the recruiting story. Um, I took Cam out to a... Uh, um, Mexican restaurant. You guys know each
1: other from a mission or something, right? That's right. right. Yeah.
2: And he got home, I'm like, you're definitely doing this. So, uh, he, you know, he kind of went through that. But um, I'm highly allergic to mango. And so we're at this Mexican restaurant. I'm recruiting, I'm telling him, you know, door-to-door sales, it's gonna be great. I'm dipping in the salsa, you know, eating the salsa. <laughs> Little do I know it has mango in it. So he's sitting across from me, I'm like, ah. Like, <laughs> and he's like, are you okay? I'm like, wow, I think, uh, I think so. And then like, I realized like I'm having an allergic reaction. So before like our food gets there, I'm like, I'm like yo we got to go to the ER you gotta, like, you gotta drive way. me he's like are you serious I'm like dead serious like ER now so he I mean, get in his car he's like freaking out he's like are you okay can you breathe I'm like so far so good like just get me there he's like like driving
1: and uh he, you know it's not in a the good ER. room, recruiting meeting if the words from the recruiter are ER <laughs> now yeah so, take no I have man have some, they had,
0: had a traumatic experience yeah. people get married over stuff
2: like that that's like the story of my life They're there's always like a weird thing, you know, backflip, get dropped on your head. Recruiting but, meeting, no, we're buddies. <laughs> recruiting meeting, you, you go to the ER, you know, <laughs> Chuckorama. What's I'll tell next? you what, it's
1: not a forgettable recruiting meeting. How was your meeting? I got to tell you, it was the craziest thing. Yeah, he, he, he
2: remembers that for and then sure. He, sa-
1: he saved a life. Yeah, he's in. he saved a life. Wow, that's incredible, man. That's awesome. What, where's a, where's something that, what's something that you try to teach new reps or what's something that maybe a common mistake in the way new reps tend to think about the job that you would like to correct, you see all these people coming in. You work with the region. What's mm. common? Ooh, that's a big, that's a heavy question. There's a lot. There's, a, unpack. Lot. there's a lot to unpack on that well, one. I'll, yeah, I'll, a lot. I'll give you an example. So for me, I've said I might have said it on this podcast. It's something I need to change. But the most frustrating thing for me is when I want something for someone more than they want it for themselves. You know what I mean? Like when I see the potential. And I, you know, I've just seen so many cases. I've been one, you've been one where it's like, man, you started out not being remarkable. And then if you give this five, six, seven years, what it can do for people. So the way I would probably look at that is I wish people understood the long-term opportunity. They often make short-term decisions Mm -hmm. because of how they're feeling right now, Mm -hmm. as opposed to looking at this and saying, man, I have this tool and how could I use this to make the biggest impact? There's also entitlement, there's also pride, there's there's just things that so many of our reps are brand new, and a lot of the forum for this podcast is to take a mind like yours who's been doing this job for most of your life at this point. Is that a scary concept? Yeah. This too. I've been doing this job for most of my life. What is something that you often see them make a mistake in that, that you could offer them advice for? So I think it goes back to the
2: again, it's kind of like the theme, I guess, of this podcast, that principle of like um, the the lo- the road less traveled, like the hard part. Yeah. And we hire a lot of uh, new people and our systems and Neo and just everything that we operate in is like so good now, but there's still like minimal problem solving or working an account through or whatever. And a lot of new reps throw their hands in the air, like, oh, like the area is saturated or Neo bugged out or just whatever. And um, they expect it to be so easy and I, I try and drill home this, I I used to run our orientations for the region, uh, this principle of the the reason you get paid what you get paid and the opportunity that we have is because you need to develop a skill set, something that other people can't do. If it is so easy and we make the tools and everything and everyone can just do it and you walk in a neighborhood and people just say, I want solar, like let me touch your, you know, sign on your iPad and get this thing going, right? we wouldn't have the opportunity that we have. The yeah, reason we have it. pay them half. The, yeah. The, the reason re- we
0: pay you what we pay you is to solve these problems.
2: Solve these problems. problems is to get over objections, to navigate the weird thing, to navigate the roof hold, to navigate like that's what your to job do the is. the thing that
1: the app an app couldn't do. Exactly.
2: That's what you do, Um, and that's the value that you bring. So my two oldest brothers, older than Chance, are orthopedic surgeons, Um, and you know they solve a problem. They have a skill set that not a lot of people have, and that's why they get paid what they get paid. And I learned that about door-to-door sales. They were doctors when I was starting door-to-door sales, and I was like, I'm not a doctor, but I can bring value And I can go in a neighborhood in thin air and create business and navigate problems and talk to people and overcome their objections. And that is my, you know, I'm the doctor of that. That's valuable. And I think new people, that's what I would want to change is if it's easy and there's no problems and it's everything is smooth
1: sailing, that's when you need to abort because that job is going away. we
0: We don't need you. Yeah.
1: That's very interesting. I think, yeah, that, and it seems like that has been ingrained in you from when you were young is, is, is look for, find value in solving the problems. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, you mentioned earlier in the podcast, the idea that when you first started, you know, CADs were hard to get and stuff like that. It's funny because I've been doing this job for 16 years and I find that new people and maybe even seasoned people often think, oh, it'll be so nice when we don't have these problems. And I remember telling my personal team at the time, I'd been doing it for like 14 years or something. I'd be like, man, I've been doing this for 14 years and I'm having a CAD problem. So when I've been doing this for 20 years, I anticipate some frustrating problem to happen. Yeah. But if you can learn to wrap your arms around it and be like, you know, it's Brian Tracy that says we should give a prayer of gratitude that sales is so hellishly hard because if it wasn't, the field would be flooded with amateurs, and our ability to earn would decrease.
2: Right, when people are like, can't hack the job or whatever, I'm like, that's the, right, you're right. More for like, me. Thank you. Yeah. Like ah, that's the path that you can
1: hack it, and I can. Thanks for the job security, I guess. It's also one of those things. Yeah, that's right. It's also one of those things. Like when we used to do alarms, it was okay. I'm gonna do this for another year, and then probably probably hang it up. Yeah. Um, do you feel? Uh, well, the way I feel is, I'll do this job as long as they'll have me. I. I like to work here as long as possible. Do you feel like that? Uh,
2: I feel like that and in New Jersey too. People, you know, I'm not from there. Yeah. So people are like, what are you doing here? Like you don't have family. That's is everybody here.
1: in New Jersey from New Jersey? Is that Mostly, the Mostly, yeah. 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 They're awesome like, you don't have too. family yeah. here, yeah. like you're you know like. House. They like, live going in the home
2: on?
0: they grew up in. Crazy. Like a lot of people just live in the house. Yeah, the same in the community,
2: like it's not even thought about, like I'm gonna venture out to these un this, you know, states. I sold
0: uh, I sold a guy on Tuesday who his family has owned the property they live
1: on that he and his wife currently live on for 93 years. Yeah. yeah. So he, you're you're you've been there for like what 8 years and you feel like you got some deep roots. Uh-huh, and this yeah. guy's looking at you like you're yeah. some some west <laughs> exactly. coast weirdo. Yeah, exactly. You're a transient, man. <laughs> yeah, I know.
2: So, yeah, that's uh, I mean, um I forgot where we're going, but. I was
1: asking if this is the type of thing where you see it with a longer term mentality. Right, I'm
2: like, I'm in, they're like, how long are you gonna be here? I'm like, I'm here until, you know. Not to... we could ask that. I physically
0: can't be here anymore. Right. We could ask that even from our sales reps. Like, how long do you think you'll be out here? And I'm like, I don't really have any plans to go anywhere. Yeah. I'm like, we're here, yeah. so.
2: Like, this is my this home, is this is my career. This is where I like to live, you know. I really, I really do love the area. Um, coming from small town to being you know, in that area, uh, you know, the world revolves around it, I feel like. New York City, Philadelphia, Jersey, just that whole uh, place is, you know,
1: alive and, and- Well, and it's nice to be solving such an, it's such an important solar market. New Jersey is mm-hmm. such an important solar market. Yep. It's a place where we desperately need the work done, you know what I mean? And it's, it's great that you and your crew, and it's it's great to see it on the climb again too, by the way. Every every market, I always tell this to guys, every market has had a time when they were down. Yep. Every market, right? It's easy to look at ones that are up right now and have a reason for why they're up, but every market at one point has been down and it's awesome to see New Jersey on the climb. That's kind of a market that everybody across the company really roots for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a time when California was down and I really felt the support of people in other, other markets saying, hey, well, you know, can we do anything? And I felt like the company kind of cheered when, when we started to gain more traction and I feel like that's happening for Jersey where it's starting to gain traction and people are really happy about that. Absolutely. Um, you know, the whole,
2: the whole region, specifically the market in New Jersey, I feel really lucky and the reason I, I like my job and I'm there is, is not only because of solar and we're solving a problem and the an opportunity, but mostly the people. And that's like, I'm genuine. Like, I love working with Daryl. I love working with our two franchise members, Biss and Cam. They're two of my best friends. Um, you know, our recruiting team, Brady uh, and um, Quinn. Um, just uh, you J-Lo know, my co yeah, director, Jayla. Like, everyone um, is. Hands-on, we're in. We talk every day, nearly, and you know it's really been a team effort. And I know you guys have said like, yeah, Zach has a you know imprint on New Jersey. I really feel like I was just there, and like th- the team has really brought it together. Um, uh, and, and I'm excited for well, the Well, and you guys have
0: done a really good job. I mean, even with the Hannah brothers and a lot of these guys that uh, and Brady coming out, like they've recruited some really, really high-end guys over the past year. And uh, it is kind of funny how cyclical each region has been because there's times New England was down and then there's times that you know Maryland is just killing it. And then it's like this weird cyclical thing. So anytime it's going good, I heard this from uh, an uncle I have who's really wealthy. And he told me once uh, when I was a teenager, I can't even remember how it came up, but he just said the one piece of advice I have for you is when things are going good, that's when you double down and work as hard as you possibly can because that tidal wave will eventually like slow down a little bit and you've got to make hay while, you know, the getting's good. So
1: I believe that. Well, I appreciate you sitting down with us today, man. I think these are, these are tidbits and lessons that you're, you're, you're such a, a, a fun kind of brand and a fun image in our industry as someone that's always enjoying themselves. But it's been good to sit down and listen to the principles behind it and, and the things that you believe in, in your upbringing. So thanks for sitting down with us, brother. Wish you continued success. Thank you guys for joining us. This has been another episode of Electric People. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.